Hi, this is Jeff. And this is Mariana. And we're professional storytellers who love books. Welcome to Fiction Friends. Where we take a deep dive into the most popular fiction titles in all of literature. From classic reads and old-time favorites. To modern romance and contemporary thrillers. Join us as we discover new ways to read, look at, and talk about books. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you stay up to date with every new release. Hi friends, this is Mariana. Hi guys, Jet's here too. And uh, yeah, we're the Fiction Friends. And we're welcoming you to our Halloween special Right? This is our yes, Halloween special episode. Our Halloween so, special. Yeah. Yeah. So, in the spirit of Halloween, we picked up a fantasy novel, a nightmarish story about a man stuck in a different dimension. So, in this yeah. episode, we are going to dissect a celebrated author's work. Yeah. It's called Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman. Obviously, you know the title because you clicked on the on the thing. But yeah, we're talking yeah. about Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman. And I'm very excited to talk about this book. And you know why? Neil Gaiman is actually my favorite living author. So Living author. I'm, yeah, okay. so I'm kind of biased already going into this. But um, so a, a bunch of you might actually be irritated by how much I'm going to gush over Neil Gaiman today. But I don't care. It's my podcast. I can do whatever I want. And now, so <laughs> with that, Mariana, you want to go into the brief uh, spoiler-free summary yes, of what Neverwhere is the about? the spoiler-free summary. All right. So we get introduced to the main character, Richard Mayhew. Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, Mayhew. Mayhew. He's Scottish. He's Mayhew. Scottish. Yeah. Yeah. Richard Mayhew, mm-hmm. who has a decent job, a mediocre apartment, and a fiance who seems like an earth sign. And unfortunately for her, <laughs> Richard <laughs> is an, an irresponsible adult <laughs> who can't seem to sort out his priorities. So after he chose to help this girl who was bleeding over the big, big, big event that he was supposed to go to with his fiance, which was set a long time ago already. So it was yeah. more of like a make-or-break-it situation for the couple. And yet, things took a quick turn when he abruptly decided to help this girl instead. So this act of kindness throws him into a pit called London Below, a yeah. place exactly like London, but a horrifying version. And he yeah. is stuck in this dimension He tries his very best to survive so he could go back to the London he grew up in, the London he always knew. So that alone makes it, yeah, London, which is also called London Above. So that alone makes it hard for me to sympathize with this vanilla main character. And there are also more intriguing characters than the lead. So stay tuned for that. And you yeah. will find magic in this book. You will meet the Marquis of Carabas here. So if you've read Puss in Boots, this character will immediately ring a bell. Have you read Puss in Boots? Puss in I have Boots. Not. That's a reference to the, that story, Marquis de Carabas. He's a reference. He's there. Okay, interesting. He's there. He's drowning. Yeah, wow, trivia. He's I did not there. know That's that. That's what I remember. I did not know that. <laughs> So yeah, I feel like this will make a great live-action movie because of the elements in this book and the setting. And you already know Johnny Depp's playing the Marquis. I don't know. I feel like uh, it's going to be him. I I actually had Johnny Depp or Sasha Baron Cohen in my mind. 
So the genre is fantasy, urban fantasy. So if you're parched from this genre as of the moment, this will probably quench it. And it's also fast-paced. So I'm going to preface this pod by saying that this is the first Neil Gaiman novel that I finished. I've read mm-hmm. his other works, but they were graphic novels. So before I continue, Jep, is this your favorite Gaiman book? I will have to say that I think it's the most quintessential Neil Gaiman. Like, if there's a Neil Gaiman yeah. book that I will recommend, it's definitely this one. However, it's not my oh, yeah? favorite. Yeah. It's not yeah. my favorite. But if people are asking me, like, what's the one book that I should read first if I'm going to get into Neil Gaiman, this would be the one I would recommend. Because I think it represents his writing style and storytelling style the, the best. Be- yeah. The best. Yeah. So the the plot is fresh as usual. I've never encountered anything quite like it. And the characters yeah. are painted so vividly. They are very diverse. You will not have a hard time trying to picture them out. So it's an yeah. easy read. Plot driven. It feels like reading a children's book. So prepare it, for the hints of nostalgia creeping up. That's true. Up. It is and, a lot like a children's book. Right? Yeah. Children's book, but for adults. Mm-hmm. So there are a handful of lessons and eye-opening instances in the book that makes you realize you're never truly grateful with what you have till it's taken away from you. And then you long for it back. And once it's in your grip, you realize that you can actually live without it after adjusting to the change. That's what I got. I'm rating this book 3.7 for it has thrown me into a reading slump spiral that took me two weeks to get out of. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, Jad. No, <laughs> the I, first I, I 100 pages were agonizing. Yeah. Like, you won't the be setup? able to figure things out quickly. There was, there was no character that I particularly fancied. Even if mm. they were, like, th- there was no favorite character. Like, yeah. I didn't have a favorite character, but they were, they were great characters. Um, yeah. If it weren't for this podcast, I would have added this to my DNF pile and my did not finish book corner as I feel like this book needs a proper headspace because of how eventful it is. And this book is not something you can just park around because there's too much happening, too yeah. many characters. So if you read it slowly, you're bound to forget a lot of things. So if you plan to read this, try reading it within a week at least. I think that was my mistake reading this book like i read it slowly instead okay. of in one go right and fans of fantasy novels are going to enjoy this i can also recommend this book to teenagers as well so i've come across an article back in the day about this book being banned as a reading material in new mexico mm. i don't know if you've come across that after a complaint mm. from a parent so what age group would you recommend it? i honestly think any anyone from any read it's kind of like a kind of book like it can impact you differently depending on what, how old you are. But I think anyone yeah. of any age bracket can read it and enjoy can something read it. from exactly. it. Exactly. I wanted to ask you about why you went into a reading slump because the mass market version of this book, it's around 450 yeah. pages long. and Super short. It's not that long. Yeah. it's. I mean, I consider like the sweet spot for novels, like 200 to 300 would be like a sweet spot. And even yeah. though Neverwhere is like 450 pages long on the mass market version, it doesn't feel like it's that long, right? It's not. It doesn't feel like it's yeah, a super yeah, yeah. dragging story. So I wanted to ask you about that. Why put you into a slump? 
I don't know. Like was it like maybe it was the type oh, of story? Was it because like because of the type of story uh, that it was? It's not really like about the I, style I got, yeah, or the length. I, I, no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't because of the length. It was the story. You couldn't sink your teeth into it, lang. Yeah, like the thing that made me part. I don't know if I can even say it in this part, na in this part, pa. When he first went to London below, okay. like when he was talking to, um, so the introduction the to that speakers, world. Yeah. Yeah, that was what uh, made me, like, park it for a long time, and then I have to reread it. And all right. but how it started, I really liked how it started, like when yeah. he found the girl and all that when he was still above. But when he first went down, I did yeah. not like that part. It's interesting for to hear you say that. I understand, like I totally understand, because rereading this book, it wasn't as fulfilling for me as the first time I read it. Like I the really enjoyed time. it the first time. Mostly because yeah. it was my early exposure to Neil and his writing, and since then, yeah. like I've I've read like five or six Neil Gaiman books already, like within that span. So I'm fairly yeah. familiar with his writing. So a lot of that initial allure is no longer there. Like meeting a, yes. an author in his style for the first time. However, now I took a more nuanced approach to analyzing his storytelling and his voice and his narration, and I really enjoyed it. Still, even though I didn't enjoy it as much. Yeah. So, again, first off, I want to say that um, Neil Gaiman is my favorite living author. His body of work as a writer is really impressive. If you consider, if you consider everything that he's done, works like Coraline, American Gods, um, yeah. The Ocean at the End of the Lane, The Graveyard Book, Sandman. Uh, you know, the list just goes on. Fragile Things. Um, the list just goes yes. on and on with Neil Gaiman. He has a master class on writing which I really recommend. It's one of my favorite master classes. Yeah. I think it's one of yours it's also. It's actually also my favorite. Yeah. Yeah, it is my favorite. He also has a book that it's non-fiction and he talks about his writing process. It's essentially like his master class except in literary form. It's called View it's, from yeah. the Cheap Seats and I recommend that book to aspiring writers as well. It's great. He's he he's a writer who has a very distinct voice. Like when you read a Neil Gaiman work, you know that it's it's Neil Gaiman. It's 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 really hard to fight a guy with that kind of body of work because it's it's you can't you can't say anything bad about the kind of career that he's had. The styling, yeah, yeah. the style also. Well, in particular with Neverwhere, again, it might not be my favorite Neil Gaiman book. It's not the one that I've enjoyed the most. However, it's the one that I will recommend the most to everyone who hasn't read Gaiman yet. Yes. Purely because it's representative of what he really is like as a writer. And I love that about Neverwhere. And if, if anyone's curious, my favorite Neil Gaiman book is actually Norse mythology. It's a retelling of the uh, classic okay. North myths. I love it. Um, and it's just really funny. It's really it's Gaiman at his funniest, I think. But Neverwhere is is more than that. It's more than a com- comedic book, even though there are funny parts. Yeah. Neverwhere has all of the ingredients of a typical uh, Gaiman book, particularly with its protagonist Richard Mayhew. So, I, I, okay, I, you used the term a while ago, and I, I think it's apt. He's a very vanilla character. Um, Another character, yes. Yeah. He's he's relatively boring. He has a mundane life. And um interesting yes. but then, you know, things take a turn and uh he's thrust into a situation that requires him to be more than just a vanilla character, you know. It, it forces him yeah. outside of his comfort zone. 
I think that's 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 the kind of formula that Neil uses a lot in his books. It's it's the same in the Ocean at the End of the Lane. Yeah, the main character is a little boy. He's also kind of boring. There's nothing particularly yeah. interesting about him, but he wanders into this magical house with mythical neighbors and then he gets thrust and then he becomes interesting because of the world that he gets thrust into it's also the same with american yeah. gods the protagonist is again he, he starts out really bland we don't really so i understand why you couldn't really sink your teeth into the story at first because the main character yes. really is bland he's really boring but then when he's thrust into that new environment that's when things start to get interesting because you get to see his personality yeah. develop over time yeah, his character development was great. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's just something that Neil does so well. Character development. Neil is really yeah. good at that. There's a skill. I, I We've talked about this in the podcast before. But in, in Neverwhere, there's a cast of quirky characters. You, I, I love that yes, you use that term. very different. They're very yes. quirky. Who are so well-defined. Like When I say well-defined, it's like you can really picture them in your head. And they're all yes. so distinct from one another. Like the way that their 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 dialogue is written, it's so it's not like one writer who's writing different characters in one voice. Neil is so good at making what? distinct yes. voices for different characters. And like this book does such a good job at that. We've talked previously in this podcast, like the Stephen King, the Institute one is I is the book that I like to go back to. Yes. Like, there are so many characters and they all feel characters. like name like faceless characters that you can't even remember there's no they aren't memorable there there isn't any depth to them because they're just secondary characters so you don't really pay much attention to them anyway yes, but yes, in Neil yes. Gaiman's writing like the secondary characters are memorable I yeah, remember yeah that's why like right? you can't even pick like yeah, yeah exactly. like, that's why I'm having a hard time picking my favorite character because they were like at the same level. Right. So he like he's really like he's really good at that. Like making characters memorable to 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 writers. Yes. If you're an aspiring writer who wants to write fiction, study how Neil writes his characters and introduces them to you, particularly how he introduces them to the reader. He always gives them yeah. distinct descriptions like the girl with the burnt caramel skin or the girl with the wasp-like waist and the 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 villain who was short with his sidekick who was uh, 10 times bigger than him you know you know descriptions like that like they really last they really they really give you a good idea of what they look like and they last they do a good job of defining yeah. characters. And Neil is so good at that. Probably maybe the best at it that I've read in modern fiction. I always manage I to remember to on that. their names and their characters well. Um, they have uh, they have clear physical descriptions, as I said. They have distinct language yes. and voice. They have, And most importantly, they all have unique motivations. Um, even the secondary yeah. characters in Neverwhere, all of them had different aspirations, right? So Richard wanted to, as we know, like as you've discussed, he wanted to get back to the London above. But the characters yeah. that he meets along the way, the people who's helping him to get back to London above, they all have their own agendas as well. They all have their own motivations. And the, the, it makes you invested in their stories as well. Like what are, what are their lives like? What do they want to get out yeah. of it? And it's really, it's really well done. It's so meticulously crafted. All, all of these things add to the depth and the dimension of his characters. And I think they're really the... The, the strength of this book 
when it comes to world yes. building, this is a fantasy novel. So it, there's a certain level of world building that takes place. However, it's not really, it's not like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings level world building. You know, it's not, it's not that complex or it's not that vast. Um, even I think Stephen King would probably even do a better job at building worlds. But there's a great deal of attention to detail that Neil places into his world building that I really appreciate. Yeah. Um, and then again, earlier I talked about how the voice, Neil's writing voice is really good. But also his actual speaking voice. If you've listened to the audio audiobook version yeah. of Neverwhere, his accent and the way that he does the characters' voices, they're all really great. I recommend the, the audiobook for this. I, I Try listening to it after the it podcast. It was also him you, you, reading it. It's him reading it, and it's really enjoyable. Ah, okay. Wow, yeah. that's interesting. Because you, you've seen his masterclass. He has a really good accent. He's really yeah. charismatic as a speaker. And it translates into his writing as well. He does a good job of narrating both settings and events. Like he, He's able to balance the description of the settings in a way that like you get a good idea of what the place looks like, but you're not totally bored yes. because he spends like five pages work describing like the market for example there, there's this is there's this market within that london below and uh he he, he spends like at most yeah he spends like at most like a, a page a full page just describing what yeah. the market looks like to describe the environment and then he moves right back into the story which i really appreciate because a lot of writers they'll just pad pages to a book by spending a lot of time describing environments and it takes away from the pacing and it gets really boring and I didn't get that from Neil's writing and I really appreciate that um, it doesn't get too long-winded except for American Gods he had a tendency to do that in American Gods which was like a 900 page book uh, that's another Jesus. story altogether yeah plot wise again as you said it's very layered it's very methodical There's, the entire plot is actually a metaphor for a social cause in my personal interpretation that will get in I can't talk about it right now because it's you know it's it's potentially it's going spoilery. to spoil yeah yeah um, but but even without that layer of like social relevance, it's still a really interesting story. Like as a kid who's not dissecting all the metaphors, you would be able to like have fun reading this because it's an enjoyable read. It reads like a children's book. Yeah. But there's still depth to it. And I feel like that's what makes it really, really impressive as a piece of literary fiction. It's rated 4.1, I think, on Good Goodreads. Good read. Yeah. So like not bad, right? Not bad. Um, of I would course, rate that's it around, a big rating already. Yeah, I would rate it around 4. Uh, 4.5 if I'm really okay. going to be generous. But, you know, around that range. It, it's a really good book. Like, I, it, you can't go wrong with it. If you like fiction, you'd like this book. Like, I, it's good fiction. It's a good example of fiction. Yeah, that that's, that's about it. And I, again, like you, I recommend it to anyone, maybe high school upwards. But I feel like even yeah. old, el, older grade school kids might be able to read this fine. Yeah, like maybe like grade five. Yeah, there are some uh, gory scenes, right? Like, you know, the deaths and decomposures and stuff like that. Decompositions of bodies and whatever. But I mean, it, but you it, can get that in you can get that in yeah. goosebumps. So yeah, I feel it, like yeah, it's, it's not, not like really that too bad. graphic. Yeah. It's not graphic. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not. not too graphic. I guess that does it. Given that you've read Neverwhere, would you read another game and book? Yeah, I'm planning to read the Graveyard book. Oh, I, that's actually the first book I read from Gaiman. And the ending yeah. made me tear up, <laughs> I have to say. Oh. Uh, the Graveyard book, yeah. So I, I I really like that book also. Maybe you can do a review for yeah, it we on can. the pod. You can, maybe you can make but a five-minute review. But maybe not this season. 
Maybe not this I year. I don't think man. I'm going to read another Game Man book for this year. Like, that's Neverwhere will be my last. Okay, okay. Like, yeah, I'm maybe not we'll cover do it. Maybe we'll first. cover it together. You're right. Maybe we'll cover it in a future season. But yeah. yeah. Um, that's it for our initial spoiler free review of Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere. Thank you. Um, if you're listening to, if you're interested in listening to the parts where we talk about the spoilers of the book, then uh, yeah. you can come back. We'll just take a break for a while, and we'll see you later. And that concludes the spoiler-free portion of the episode. If you do plan on reading the book, please feel free to come back and join us in the conversation in the second part of this episode. We'll be right back. So the book was initially published back in the ni- in 1996. It was it's in the urban fantasy genre. It took a while before it got popular. However, now it's Again, it's one of the most beloved Neil Gaiman works. And I think it mainly has to do with the fact that, again, it's quintessential Neil Gaiman. Currently, there is a short story in current publications of the book called How the Marquis Got His Coat Back. It's It talks about the character. But did you find the, it? In, yeah, yeah. It's, it, you found it in the book, right? It's yeah, in, it it's is. It's part of the book. Yeah, so it's that's, that was only added to later publications of the book. It essentially functions like a sequel. And then there is also talks of a sequel that will revolve around the Seven Sisters. So in the book, there was yeah. there was a scene where like Richard travels and he meets the Seven Sisters, and he meets no, not he doesn't meet the Seven Sisters. He meets Serpentine. Serpentine, of, yeah. So it's not really a sequel. It's more like a, a spinoff of Neverwhere, and it's I'm really interested in reading that. If ever he does choose to release it anytime soon, um, his I think his last release was Norse mythology. So I'm looking forward to whatever he comes out with next. And yeah, this book didn't really get any awards or whatever. But again, it's one of the most beloved game and books. And yeah, so I think that's it. I mean, I I would love again this this book was so well written in terms of how settings and scenes were like narrated and. I'm interested yeah. to see how it would translate into like a movie or a series or whatever. But um, there are no talks of developments for it. So, yeah, we'll just have to leave that at that for now. Um, maybe we can move on. You know, to I wish it was yeah. like, Go ahead. like, I wish they would make a cartoon of it. You know how they made Coraline? Coraline. That was ah. also pretty dark. Yeah. It's maybe like a Tim, so Bur- I Tim Burton see style Tim Burton. cartoon. Yeah. Yeah, that would be good. That would be really good. For Neverwhere. I feel like that would be. I agree. Because Coraline, I know Coraline is one of your favorite movies. Yeah. Yeah. And so you should you should read yeah, the book. Yeah, I, I read Coraline also. Oh, you but read not it. the novel, the, oh, okay. the graphic novel, lang. Oh, that that would be, that's a good point. Like a, an animated film would be really good for Neverwhere. All right. So maybe you want to move on to favorite quotes. I actually only have two. Ah. Okay. Mm. So yeah, you start na lang. So this this one um particular quote it's. I don't know. It, it struck me because of how, especially nowadays, it's so socially relevant. I think it was the Marquis de Carabas who said it. Says, I have always felt that violence was the last refuge of the incompetent and empty threats, the last sanctuary of the terminally yes. inept. Is that your quote also? <laughs> yes. It's such a good line. And yes, it's so applicable these days. You know, so many people like resort to 
threats. I mean, it's not physical violence anymore these days. It's more like social media bullying, cyberbullying, and all of that. Like uh, name calling and, yeah. and personal character assassinations. You know, a lot of people are so fond fond of that these days in an increasingly connected world. But I mean. This was written in 1996. Social media wasn't a thing back then, but it's still so relevant in the way that, like, yeah, most of the people who argue in that way online yeah. are usually the ones who are incompetent, who are terminally inept, they can't, aren't capable of elevating their thought. Yeah. And, like, I really, like, love that quote. If I took it from you, I'm sorry. Do you have any other quotes? Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's kind of, like, Go ahead. It's, it's not Go as ahead. good as that quote. It's like the only advice I can give you is what you're telling yourself. Only maybe you're too scared yeah. to listen. Yeah. That's a really good quote also. I actually wrote that down as well. I mean, this book isn't necessarily filled with quotable quotes. But quotes. It's like more of like nice lines, like nicely yeah. written lines. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's consistent like all throughout. Like the yeah. writing is like really, really good that nothing ends up standing out because of how consistently good yeah. the writing is. I, again, like I, if you're learning how to write fiction, read a lot of Neil Gaiman. You'll pick up a lot of stuff. stuff I don't yeah. know if this is like. Uh, there's also a lot of like uh, dry British humor that's injected into there, which I'm a big fan of. Um, yeah, I like. I like, like British humor also. Because we covered Thursday Murder Club last season, and you didn't like the humor in that book, and that was like dry British humor also. So it's interesting huh. to see like Wait. how Neil. You know, he, he he made you like his writing. Oh, yeah. You know who I really like and I find really funny? I think she's an English author also. Sophie Kinsella, yeah. the writer oh, okay. of Shopaholic. Shopaholic. Shopaholic, yeah, 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 yeah. series, 20s girl and all that. Like, I find yeah. her humor funny. I've never read a Sophie Kinsella book, but I know of her because she's my fiance's favorite writer. What she's book read- does she like in particular? I don't know. She's read a bunch of them. Um, I think she liked the shopaholic one, but uh, I honestly, yeah. I honestly don't. There's know like five books else. of that, huh? Or four? Yeah. Four? Oh, okay. Yeah, a lot, a lot of <laughs> I'm shopaholic so books. I'm so sorry. We're not going to cover that in this pod for now. <laughs> yeah. <Maybe. laughs> Forever. But, yeah. If if you yeah. if there are enough people who request it, maybe we'll consider. Yeah, it. yeah. Then we might. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so uh, yeah, I guess that does it for quotes. Do you have any moments? Are there any memorable moments that stand out? But I feel like I don't, for me personally, I just want to preface this. Like, I don't, there aren't any particular moments that I want to talk about. I mostly want to talk about characters. So if there are any moments, I'm going to leave that up to you for now because I don't really have any. <sighs> this is also kind of hard, but my favorite moment was when. Dor and Richard went to the art exhibit and Richard saw his fiance there. <laughs> I love that. I love that sequence. Yes, it was it was so art entertaining. Yeah. Like yeah, that made me want to so fun. Yeah. Finish it. Yes. It was anxiety inducing, but it was yes. also like really funny. <laughs> and like how yeah. like it was it, it was so funny how Jessica's assistant was like, It's it's that guy. You have to get that guy. And then the guards are like, who? Who are you pointing to? <laughs> and then, like, they can't see Richard. That whole thing was really funny to me. <laughs> yeah, it was like the entire fiasco, like the wave of nostalgia that hit Jessica. I like that because yeah. it's how, like, it it was also like telling us how people can't really see people from London below. Yeah, and that just did it for me. And yeah, I also love how 
the door to the angel was situated in a museum. Yeah. A, yeah, it was a museum, right? Like, it was like, wow. Yeah. Like, perfect area to put a door. So how did you feel that the angel is linked on? Um, the reveal of him being the mastermind or the villain behind everything. How did you feel? Did you see that coming? Did, did you like that twist? Um, were you surprised? How did I you feel about that? I was not... Well, when they were talking about the master, I had no one in mind yet. Because I think like when they yeah. were first... Like when Coop... Was it Coop? Mr. Coop? Croop. Mr. Croop. Mr. Croop. Yeah, like yeah. when they were talking about when, when the master called them up, I think we were not introduced to the angel yet, or we were, but not yet. He not was just yet. spoken about, yeah. yeah, something like that. But yeah. yeah, yeah, when when it was him, I did not really like. I wasn't really shocked, blown away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the hunter was also the traitor. Yeah, hunter. So apparently, hunter was hired by Krupp and Vandermar even before. Yeah. Uh, Carabas and Dor got to hire her. But yeah. Hunter, Hunter's character is interesting because she also kind of has her own motivations. Like, she com- yeah. she also comes full circle towards the end. Yeah, so that's why I feel like a lot of the plot really revolves around individual character motivations. Characters, and that's why I really yes. wanted to talk about the character. So, so you have Richard who gets thrust into London below and he's trying to get back to London above. That's essentially his entire character motivation. Yeah. You have Dor whose family has been murdered and her whole motivation is number one to not get killed as well and to find out like who ordered the murder of her family. Yes. And then you have the Marquis de Carabas whose motivation is to, like to fulfill a debt that he paid to uh that he has to Dor's father and yeah. to the Portico family. And like that's his entire thing. Like he's a guy who always pays his debts. He's like a Lannister or whatever. And then then you have Hunter, who's like, whose goal, whose motivation is to be like to kill the beast. Essentially, we find out in the end that like that's her ultimate yeah, that, goal is to that's her, yeah. to kill the beast because she wants beast, to be yeah. known as the warrior. And then you have the angel Islington, who has the motivation of going to heaven and apparently like to heaven, know, maybe yes. causing like killing everyone there. I don't know what exactly what he had planned to do once he got there, but that was his plan to return back to heaven. And it was so interesting how everyone had different motivations, but they motivations, all yes, melded so seamlessly into a single story. And Neil did that so well. So like, yeah, I agree with you. Like the reveal of Islington being like the main villain it wasn't mind blowing it wasn't like earth shattering yes. but you can tell that he put a lot of meticulous attention to detail into how each character's story arcs eventually developed and i really appreciated yeah. that about neverwhere there's also one thing i want to talk about with uh the entire the entire premise of the story is there's a london above and a london below and how I talked about it earlier, how it touches on social relevance. And it's it functions yes. a lot like a metaphor for um, how there is a high society and there is a low society. And we are more divided by class than we are by anything else. And and a lot of the stories, a lot of the narratives that, that encompass that London below by the underprivileged, the people we never notice, these are stories that are unheard of, unrecognized, that yeah. are ultimately ignored by London above. And it's a perfect metaphor for the divide between the rich and the poor, how rich people problems are so different from poor people problems. Like poor people problems, they're legitimate problems. And they often, they remain problems because they are left 
ignored. They're left. Uh, they, they no one gives them any attention. And once actually someone like Richard does start paying attention to the problems of the underprivileged, yes. then he starts getting ignored. He starts getting erased from upper society. He starts being neglected. So that's how the entire metaphor oh, for wow. Neverwhere functions. And I I love that. I love that uh, juxtaposition between those two narratives. And again, like you were, you might not have seen that parallel, like while reading no. the book. No, like did but you know you that? Like the metaphor. Been, yeah, like when you but, first read it. Yeah, I mean, like I didn't, I didn't. <sighs> figure it out right away but like as i was reading the book i started to understand the difference like there's a story that's being told by a group of people that we're never exposed to and we never give attention to just because they're underprivileged but they have stories nonetheless and yeah uh, it's amazing right but I, i think the most amazing thing about it is like you can still appreciate the story even without seeing it from that point of view so and that's really good oh, yeah, storytelling. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I approach the book like a child. Exactly. Like you can. You can read it as a child. Yeah. That's yeah. how I jumped into the book like a child. Man, wow. Yeah. So I'm like, impressed. Right? So like Neverwhere, it's amazing. Yeah. It, it has so many layers to it, plot-wise, character-wise. And that's why I think Neil is such a talented yeah. writer. It, uh, something like this doesn't come out of accident. He puts a lot of time and effort yes. into crafting a story like this, and I'm really impressed by it. I don't. I, I'm sorry. I've I've spent the last forty five minutes or something just raving about this book, and I, it it really is one of my favorite mo- books that have come out since the. I mean, I don't know, ever. I guess, <laughs> but now that you now that you've seen that parallel, does this book like take a different light in your eyes? Like, do you feel so- somewhat differently towards it? Yeah, like. Dilina 3.7, 3.8. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure that's better. That's better. He, he applies the same formula to a lot of his books, and that's why I'm really impressed yes. by him. But yeah, um, I really enjoyed Neverwhere. Um, the characters I liked his so Coraline well better. Yeah, I mean, I like, really Coraline. Car- Coraline. I, I have to say, I haven't read Coraline, but um, I can't find a copy of it. Actually, that's that's the main reason why I haven't read it. I can't I can't find a copy of it. it I, somehow it's never in stock. Whenever I'm in the bookstore, weirdly yeah. enough. But I, I I would gladly eat that up whenever I get the chance to read it. But yeah, I guess that does it for my like the things that I want to talk about when it comes to the book. Like, yes. Essentially, the characters they're not particularly like deep or impressive or memorable but they're so well developed now it's so hard yes. for you to not feel connect some some kind of connection to them even hunter who i feel like is the most underdeveloped character in, in the bunch it's like you can still feel like she has a certain weight a gravitas about her this is why i think that neverwhere is the quintessential neil gaiman book and i can't i won't I won't stop recommending this to people. And yeah, I guess that I guess that also rounds up my final thoughts about it. What what else do you have to say? Um, before we end it, can I just ask this question? Yeah, go ahead. Um, cuz like I tried searching about it, but like I never found the like I wasn't sure about the answers that popped up. So, what was the whole floating market thing? Like why did that exist? Like was it just also a part of um building the setting or something like yeah or did that have a symbol because i felt like 
there was a symbol to it, but I just cannot find what the symbol was. The market just appears. Yeah, and it changes, right? So the floating market is like, it yeah. changes depending on the day and stuff like that. I honestly haven't given it much thought. I'm not sure if it does thought, have any yeah. symbolism behind it. But symbolism, yeah. I think uh, from my perspective, it's really just like part of the world building process. Like he just wanted to, yeah, you know, okay. it's cool that there's this like market where uh, you're market, apparently yeah. not allowed to like fight people or break the law. It's like a place of peace and like, you know, yes. that's where people can always feel safe. But, you know, now that you mentioned it, it might have some kind of metaphorical weight. I might have to look into that later. If if any of you listeners now, like, yeah, if you've thought about it, <laughs> like, if you have, yeah, please tell us. We might be missing some of those details. But, yeah, that's, that's, that's for me, it was just part of the world building. But, it, the, yeah, again, it might have some kind of weight. What else do you, what else do you want to talk about? Well, I, I think I already said, like, my final thoughts in the first part. How... Yeah. Impeccable of an author Neil Gaiman is best yeah. masterclass I've seen to date. But if you make yeah. me read another Neil Gaiman book this year, yeah. I'm probably gonna combust. <laughs> like I'm parking that. I'm parking fantasy, yeah. dark academia yeah. for for next year. Yeah, but nonetheless, it's it's a it's a great book. It's yeah, it's yeah. just that I got stuck. I got stuck yeah. because of one particular scene. Yeah. The rat. I don't particularly rat. like. Yeah, I don't particularly like audiobooks, but for this, I would recommend the audiobook. It's the really audiobook good. Audiobook also. You, okay. I would really yes. recommend it. I'll check yeah. that out. Um, yeah. If you guys have read it and then you haven't listened to the audiobook, try listening to it. Neil Gaiman's accent is yes. like really good, and he and he does the voices for the characters, and he does it really well. Like the the character. Uh, I want to hear that, especially Mr. Yeah. Croops. I really like them, yeah. both of them also. They were really iconic. Right? Yeah, the two, Croup uh, uh, and Vandermar, right? They're, 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 you know, they're so well defined. Yes, and then I didn't even feel them being evil. Like, I know they were the evil people they're funny. in the, in they're the book. They're actually funny. But yeah, yeah. Like, I love them. Like, I love them yeah. despite them being evil. I also like, like, in the middle of the story, they casually mention, like, they were responsible for, like, these great moments of history happening, like, uh, yes! the fall of Rome or something like that. Like, it was like, them was so who shocked. did that. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah, so, like, it's nice, like, um, Neil injects that into the story, but he doesn't really go into depth about it. Like, he's, he leaves it to our imagination. Like, huh? how did those two impact that part? <laughs> yeah, significant I even part thought of that was, history. like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It, it's fun. Like, maybe we can get an offshoot sort, short story about how they were able to go through those yes, different phases of human history. Like, that would be fun, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that about rounds it up. Again, uh, if if Neverwhere is the only Neil Gaiman book you've ever read, that's I think you would be okay. You would be have a good idea of what he's like as a writer. Like that's that's yes. really it. That's really my 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 greatest takeaway from this book. However, I do encourage you to read his other works. Like he's able to diversify himself so well, especially with his latest one, Norse mythology. It's like it's legitimately one of the funniest books I've ever read, and I'm really happy that. We picked up Neverwhere for the pod. I actually read it for the first time last year, just last year, and I don't really pick. Oh. I don't really reread books within like a span That's of fast. just a year. Yeah, yes. but for this pod, um, even though I was hesitant at first, I was happy that we ended up covering it again because it reminded me of how good a writer Gaiman really is. 
And yeah, that's yes. essentially it for my thoughts. I, I'm gonna stop fanboying over him now. I'm, I feel like it's too much already. Um, yeah, so I guess that's it. Thank you guys for listening to uh, yes. Neverwhere, our review of Neverwhere. Um, Mariana, is there anything you want to plug right now? Just follow us on Instagram at Fiction yeah. Friends PH. Yeah, Fiction Friends PH. Um, comment yes. to us any book requests that you want us to do. Yes, uh, again, we're always we're always open to hearing you guys. A lot of the books that we're actually covering this season is the result of requests. So, um, oh, yes, your requests, yes. we we and really do listen to your requests yes. and book talk. Follow us on BookTok. I'm at JetLuga10 on BookTok. And she's Mariana G. Varela on BookTok. Mariana G. Varela on BookTok, yes. Yeah. Wait, Mariana's doing this like a Halloween YouTube book, booktube thing, Oh, yeah, right? I already you're, did. You're, you're, yeah, I, yeah, I had, yes, 31 books to read this Halloween. Perhaps you uh, might want to read them for November instead. So, yeah, just yeah. check it out. 31 books to read this Halloween yeah. on YouTube. So Mariana and I are actually working on our YouTube channels as well. I am recently just uploading... I've recently just uploaded a video on how to start your own podcast in the Philippines. So any aspiring podcasters yes. who are also listening to this, you feel free to check out my channel. It's Jet you Luga it on out. YouTube. Yes. Um, my latest video is about how you can start your own podcast. So yeah, we're actually really lucky enough to have had this kind of feedback from people with Fiction Friends. And it's really fun. We've been having a lot of fun doing this, and yes, yeah, we look forward super. to interacting with more of our fiction friends in the future. Uh, thank you guys for listening to us. We'll be coming out with more episodes for the rest of the season, so stay tuned for those. And yeah, yes, uh, and thanks. more guests. Yes, and more guests. We have more guests coming soon, so you won't have to just yes. listen to me and Mariana all the time. There will be more people involved in the podcast. So, yeah, That's if you guys want a guest, also feel free to shoot us a message. We're always open to talking to people yes, on the air as well. Please, we would love yeah. to have you on board. All right, so I guess that does it. Thank you, everyone, and we'll see you. We'll listen. We'll talk to you again right. soon. So that's it. Bye. Bye. See you on our next podcast.